0: Good morning, welcome to the presence of Jesus, and I hope that your lives are touched and changed forevermore never the same. Say never the same. Never the same, come on, hallelujah. Here we go. jumping. Jumping right in. I'm jumping right in. No introduction, just jumping right in. The average American today spends seven hours and 11 minutes looking at a screen every day. Amounting to nearly one third of our lives, feeding or feasting on media, or about 109 days a year. Let's just ponder that for a moment, <laughs> right? I was, I I looked at a lot of different websites trying to find statistics and trying to trying to find kind of what i was looking for because i had a thought of where i wanted to go with this and i feel like these i looked at a bunch of different ones and i you know it's hard to know what to believe and this seems like a kind of a conglomerate website so i i I saw some of these same stats in a bunch of different places that seemed like it was legit but even if it's not even if it's an hour a day oofta that adds up okay and they say they go on to say uh even as far back as, I had seen this, this study in a separate place, even as far back as 2011, Americans were taking in five times as much information, say information, taking in five times as much information every day as they did in just 1986. Was anyone around in 1986? <laughs> exactly. I was finishing up my sophomore year, I was Taylor's age, finishing up my sophomore year of high school, yeah, wow, 1986. However, analog sources of information gathering still do, do still exist today, such as books, anyone ever read like a paper book, Yeah. newspapers, man, that's even more rare these days, I've got a stack of them in my office, newspapers, yeah, who who gets a newspaper delivered to your house, anybody, oh man, a few of you guys, yeah. All under 20. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Newspapers, Spotify. I don't know why they put Spotify in there. The back of your Wheaties box, and of course, the other human beings in our life are part of that input. Across all channels, it's estimated that Americans consume 11.8 hours of information each day 11.8 hours of information so you're reading stuff you're you know you're scrolling you know whether on your phone or on your computer you're reading your you're reading manuals at work files like there's just information 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 you're watching the news you're going through Facebook or Instagram or whatever the kids are doing these days And it says that according to a report by the University of California, San Diego, the average American consumes about 34 gigabytes of data and information each day. That's estimated to be the equivalent of 100,000 words heard or read every day, or about how many words are in J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. 95,356 words is in there. So it's about consuming all of that information so that you end up at a place that looks something like that. We've got all these, what's that? I said that's really true. Yeah, it's really true. Did anyone ever feel like you got information overload? Oh, yeah. So you got all this information come in that's willing, unwilling. You know, that includes, you know, you have the radios on. And, and so the announcers saying different things. Or maybe there's little news stories that go on there. Like all of these points were so bombarded with information. 34 gigabytes of information a day. 34 gigabytes it wasn't very long ago you couldn't even get a gigabyte uh, most of my flash drives here are less than 34 gigabytes right now right exactly right the first computer that I had yeah it was the, the hard the hard drive like the big storage drive was me- measured in kilobytes in kilobytes right exactly. Exactly. Then you got megabytes. Then we got gigabytes. Now we're just terabytes. And, and I forget what the next one. <laughs> lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of words and facts and information and thoughts and processes that are coming into our brains every day. And here's the thing. Whether we want to hear it or not, or whether we're intentionally looking, or whether we're just kind of mindlessly, now, don't raise your hand, because I'm sure none of you do this, but like, maybe you're just mindlessly scrolling on Facebook, you don't even know what you've been looking at, you're just kind of, just, you know, just kind of scrolling through here or whatever. They laugh because it's true. They laugh because, right? <laughs> that's not true. Oh, gosh, that is, isn't it? Right? You don't even know what you've been looking at, but some of that's seeping in there. And I think there's a... We're, we're not talking about anxiety today, but but I think there's a kind of an underlying anxiety buzz that happens because here's what your brain wants. Your brain doesn't know what kind of information this is, right? Your soul doesn't understand that you're just scrolling, right? It can't differentiate between work and school and home and, you know, what your kids have filled you in on this week and, you know, what your neighbors stopped by and told you about. Like, all this information... It needs to be processed. So we're stuck with processing 34 gigabytes of data every day, like, like a 100,000-word book, a big book worth of information that you're left at night to process with. Anyone ever wonder why you just feel a little jumbly inside and you just don't really know why? Your soul, your brain, your your body is trying to work through All of that information, that whole entire process. Now I want you to think about something else. Think about all this information that's coming in. You don't have a control over a ton of it. You might be able to, maybe 80% of it, pick what you listen to, but if you're walking through Walmart and the TVs are playing, you don't like, you could, I guess you could choose not to walk there. But you know what I'm saying? There's there's stuff that you end up hearing that you don't have control over. You don't, I guess you can tune to which radio station you want, but you don't know what the announcer's going to say next. You know, you, you don't know what, what's coming on the news next. You can choose to turn it on or turn it off, but some of those choices are out of your hands. So you've got some of this information that's coming in that you don't really have control over. If someone, some little kid runs up and blurts out that, you know, he just stole his mommy's purse and his whatever, like that just happened. You didn't have any control over that. Now you've got this piece of information. So you've got all of this input coming in. Think about if we're listening to all of this and it's affecting us whether we want to think it is or not. It's affecting us because we're built to process that kind of information. Now, the second question or the next question or a question that we would have to ask then is how much of that information is true? Well, what if, what if it's all true? Well, that's great. That still means I need to process through all this. It might be true, but it might be bad. It might be uh, heavy for me to process. What if, what if it's all false? Well, then I just, I just know automatically that not to believe any of that. But we don't always get that luxury, do we? We don't always get the luxury of knowing if something's absolutely true or absolutely false. What if I just, because that's what your brain does, it just naturally assumes whatever input is coming in, it just naturally assumes that 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 is valid and it has to process it. I know we're getting kind of weird here, but just we're going somewhere, just hang on. Just look at that, we're just, we're trying to deal with this right now, okay? So we're processing all this, imagine just just because like you've got a lot of control over what your input is let's say eighty percent ninety percent whatever let's say you're picking good stuff to scroll through or whatever <laughs> anyone ever have something pop up like you're scrolling through Facebook blah blah and something pops up and you're like whoa I wish I wouldn't have seen that right maybe it's not pornography or something but me you know like you just I, I wish it ah oh, man it really makes me mad that they said that or whatever okay we have to process that that gets stuck in there and it's working the computer's like right? We're stripping gears here trying to get this thing to work right. Now, what if everything that came in was true? But here's the thing. There can be true things, but they can be coming from sources that have a skewed version of reality or a different view of ultimate truth. And so what if, what if they're like, right? But what if they're like, just like, if this is 0 degrees and this is 90 degrees, what if they're just like a half a degree off? Well yeah, that's that those facts are right and that's true. But the end goal of kind of what they're saying is totally different from from what I feel like the right end goal should be. But what the stuff they're saying is true what I'm trying to say is as you're processing through 34 gigabytes of information every single day, if all of that, at best case, is a half a degree off from the trajectory that our lives need to be going on, imagine what happens, you ever done that, where you draw out, like, because at the beginning, here's the point, here's the main line, it's horizontal, but the the half a degree off, You know, by the time you get way over here, it's only like you can barely even see light through there. Well, by the time you get over here, maybe you could slide a piece of paper through it. What happens when you get down the road about three miles? It starts going up, 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 and the trajectory of that starts getting way off. So what I'm saying is slowly, even if we're listening to good things, even if we're consuming truthful things, if if it's not 100% on par with God's worldview, we can get our hearts skewed and it feels pretty right because it's like, right. I can't even like, man, here's the line of that. And here's the line of truth, truth. And it. I can't, I can't even see light in between there, but we keep going down those roads long enough. And if we don't have an anchor point to judge things against. We start getting, but it doesn't feel like it. We're not running off in some weird direction. You guys are all, you're looking at me like, okay, we're with you, I still don't really, what are you, like what, I'm not sure. What is he even, hey, what's he even talking about? Skewed and lines and saying we're, we feel like we're consuming good things, feel like that's pretty true, but if we don't have a touch point to know if that's, if that's eternally accurate, if that's accurate with God's heart, we can drift off with good intentions, and we can end up at a place that's farther from where I think God's heart wants me to be than I, than I wanted to be. That was all really vague, but I'm going to clarify this a little bit. Out of all of this information, out of all this stuff that we consume, what is what is the answer for that? Because because I just I just know from talking to enough people that we're all kind of in the same boat. We all have this. This, I was, oh, I think it was, I don't remember where I was saying it. Um, so if I said it last Sunday, i apologize. no, you preached, didn't you? You know, when you have, uh, like, like, this is running now, the furnace is running, so it's, that's a little noisy. But if, if that wasn't running, it would be like, just quiet in here. Because you guys aren't saying anything. Because you don't know, have any idea what I'm talking about today. But has anyone ever had this experience? Because we live in South Dakota and this happens all the time, especially in the wintertime, where you're sitting in your house and it's like quiet. I mean, it's dead quiet. You know, there's just nothing's going on. And then the electricity goes off. And you're like, whoa, now it's quiet. Because you didn't realize, like the fridge was running, you know, the clock that was plugged in that was running, you know, like, like you know, I don't know, some motors that, but you don't hear them. They're, it's not as loud as this. They're just in the background. They're just quiet, right? And so there's this kind of noise that's going on all the time. I feel like a lot of us, there's that anxious processing that's always going on with all this information. Just I don't think the human body was built for, you know, 20 hours of this. It's like we're trying to process this. I want to give us, and this is not going to be a shock. This is not going to be a stretch. This is going to be what you would expect me to say. But at the same time, we need a way to process this, and we need a, we need a touch point, and I want to just say this psalm 119 verse 89 it says your word lord is eternal it stands firm in the heaven anyone ever get frustrated that things change <laughs> right yeah maybe you've seen a, an erosion of morality or or uh you know uh you know just especially being over 30 now he's <laughs> got enough Enough time to look at backwards where you just go, man, it's, well, I remember, it. and some, sometimes we don't remember accurately, but yeah, it used to be different back in my day. Nobody ever did anything like that. I, well, I don't know. I lived back then, too, it wasn't always as pristine as we remember it, but at the same time, we get, we get frustrated that, that things change and not for the better, and I just love the solidity of the word of God. And that's what we're going to be talking about for the next, uh, I don't know, couple Sundays. Maybe we'll, we'll see where we end up going. But we're talking about the Word of God and the, and the role that has in our life and, and, and the solidity that we need to have because of that. A lot of times as Christians, we throw the Word of God kind of into this vat of Christian-y things that we do, right? Hey, hey, man, I come to church. Oh, yeah, what do you, what do, you do there? What well, we like singing and stuff and whatever? I don't know. We have donuts. I think, that, I think that's what we do. So was some somebody yeah, asked some some priest talks a little bit or whatever and you know he just I don't know you know then we just do our thing and we pray some and well yeah we all got Bibles what right it just gets lumped into the Christiany things that we do and we lose the value and the reverence for the place that the Word of God needs to have in our life and this is not a like beat you over the head come on this is a. This is a, I want to just pull the curtains back on just our normal, average American lives because it is so prevalent. And you go to some of the places that the Gideons are in, and they're scrambling, a hundred of them, to get a piece of one Bible. And they're so reverent, and they're so powerful. They're, you know, just hungry for the, they, they, listen, when you haven't been walking with God, when you've been walking in a different religion and you've seen the power of the demonic, right? And not not just to get weird or whatever, but when you've seen that, you recognize the supernatural. And then you get a hold of the first time of the word of God. And it's so, we're so numb to some of that that we're like, well, I don't know, I like this version better. I like, you know, I like this, you know, you put stuff up on our fridge and that's that's kind of like the extent of the Word of it. Like, all that's good. You know, find a version you can understand, whatever. Just, you know, put fridge magnets up, but, like, don't let it stop there. And what I'm saying is cultivate this revere and awe of the Word of God. And so I get so excited about when, when, when media, when information, uh, Marnie was just telling me the other night, she's like, I'm just exhausted. I'm like, what's going on? I just can't. I, I just can't. Like, there's, like, nothing was wrong. But was just, there's this new thing, and then we're supposed to know about this, and then we should be worried about this. And then she's like, I just don't. I just, I'm like, well, just don't. <laughs> and I feel that same thing, and I think you feel that same thing. And there's sometimes we just go, I just, I can't keep up. I can't keep up with, it, with what I'm supposed to not like or what I am supposed to like or I'm supposed to be careful for this. or I'm, There's so much information. And I'm not saying that information is all bad. But I'm saying without something that is eternal, without something that is solid, without something that is unmoving, without something that is unchanging, without a point in the distance that I can continue to look at and know that this is unswerving, unmoving, and that point is the word of God. It is the revealed heart and will of God for my life that I take for granted as a preacher of the word of God. And I'm around it and thinking about it all the time. Now you know, you guys are probably a lot more holy than me, but just, you know, I just think of my own life and how I, at times, don't revere it as it. and I'm not saying that we just need to be all, you know, cloistered and holy, you know what I mean? But let it, take it for what it is. It's the breathed out word of the ever-living God, the King of glory, the creator of the universe. It's not just man's opinion. It's not just, it's not just some grouping of, of syllables and consonants. Let's look at what the word of God says about the word of God. Just a, f- a, few, a few different verses. Matthew 4, 4. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on what? Every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is saying, man, you want to you find sustaining life? It's from this flowing word of God that comes from his mouth says in uh, Matthew 24, heaven and earth will pass away, but what? My words, my words. They're here today and gone tomorrow, right? No, they'll never pass away. They will never pass away. When you come into contact with the revealed word of God, what we would call the Bible, the scriptures, you're coming into contact with something that is eternally enduring. It is never going away. It is never changing. It is never failing. It is never dissolving. It is never yielding. It is going to be the word of God eternally, with or without you. Your opinion, your interaction, your understanding has zero bearing on what the word of God is. It is what it is. It is the word of God that endures for eternity. We go to John chapter 8. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus is talking here, whoever obeys my word, whoever memorizes my word, whoever puts my word on the refrigerator, whoever has a bumper sticker about my word, whoever obeys my word, ingest it, Process it. Work it out in your life. Do what it says. It's the word of God. It's the center line of our life. Whoever obeys my word will never see death. Hmm. Go to Psalms for a second. Verse 130, chapter 138, verse 2 says, I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted, for God has exalted above all things his name And his word. Louis Giglio, we're doing a a series on Wednesday nights in Colossians, and he made a statement that I just loved. uh, And so I I quoted, so this comes from the video series, but this is Louis Giglio. He says, uh, It's important to remember it's not just ink on a page, it's breath on a page. I just love how he says that. It's the breath of, it's the breathed out word of God. It's the revelation of God. It's his heart. And Louis goes on to say, it's not just the work of man, but this is God's spirit breathing. I try to get in my Louis mode. This is God's spirit breathing out the heart of God, the wisdom of God, the person, the character, the nature of God into the pages of scripture. It's the revelation of God, of who he is, what he says, of how he thinks, of what he feels, of what's important to him. That's who created us, and it's of what's beneficial for us. It's the living, breathing, powerful word of God. So today, we are going to embark on maybe a short, I don't know. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) We're not going through every verse in Psalm 119, but we're going we're gonna to play the little bunny foo-foo game, and we're going to jump around Psalms 119 or something and just hop around and see, see what we uncover. Do you, guys know, like, do you guys know anything about Psalm 119? Long. long. <laughs> it's long. Anyone ever get to your daily devotions and you see Psalm 119 and you're like, oh no, okay, Whew, here we go. I'm just going to be, I'm going to be really honest with you. Can I be, can I be honest? No, one person. Okay. Uh, How about this? Can I be honest with you guys? Yeah, they're scared too. Everyone's up until, up until a couple years ago, I had a tough time with Psalm 119. It was long. It was kind of boring. It was repetitive. It's just kind of said the same kind of thing, a bunch of different ways. And I don't know what happened. God's like, oh, you idiot!" <laughs> He's like, let me get, <sighs> he just kind of breathed on my mind and my heart. And I went, oh. So if you're in the former me position, I get it. <laughs> yeah, I understand. And I'm just, I just ask if, if you would just, just may, I didn't, I did not pray. I have prayed this prayer for other things in the word of God, but I didn't about Psalm 119. God just, just, Graced me with just, uh, yep, just a a help of walking into the door of the beauty of Psalm one nineteen, and I'm going to tell you guys it is so rich, it is beautiful, it is filled with life, it is filled with hope. Obviously, it's filled with truth, and it says uh, one one of the verses in Psalm one nineteen and says, "Your word is a lamp to my feet; it's a light for my path." Come on, and that. What do we know? What Psalm one nineteen is about primarily? Anybody else know? That that's the right answer. What what is what's what would Psalm nine? What would the theme of Psalm one nineteen be about? The, the the yep, it's all of those things, but like the centralist ish most theme <laughs> of Psalm one nineteen is about the word of God. It's about the I mean, let me us let's just read the first eight verses. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong but follow his ways. You have laid down the precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees, then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your Commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees, right? It's just, there's, well, here, let's just go through this. We don't know for sure. We, You know, a lot of people think David, uh, Spurgeon had his works called The Treasury of David and talks about Psalm 119, I think. Uh, I haven't read any of that, but um, a lot of people think it was David. A lot of, a lot of people don't. It doesn't really matter. Um, we can't talk to them anyways. I mean, they're dead, so... Uh, <laughs> There, there was an author. We know God. God was the the. Anything else famous about Psalm 119? Any, anything else that you know? Oh, we already kind of said that. So it's it is the longest chapter in the Bible. It is the longest chapter in the Bible. Depending on which theologian you talk to, there's only uh, one to three verses, maybe four or five, but most think like one verse that doesn't that doesn't refer to the Word of God. Some of that is is translation issues. They're not quite sure how how it was phrased almost every verse talks about the Word of God. Almost every single verse talks about the Word of God. There is uh, 22 sections of 8 verses, and if you take 22 times 8, I'm guessing it turns up to be 176. I didn't do the math, but I know there's 22 sections. I know there's 8 verses in a section. Anyone got a calculator? Does that, Is that what it turns up? That's what it is? Okay, see? Yeah, amen. <laughs> so there's... So there's 22 sections of eight verses that equals 176 verses, and it is also what, what, what we would call an acrostic. Now, in your English Bibles, you would not know this. You're welcome. <laughs> you wouldn't know this because it doesn't read that way in our Bibles because of translation. We, like, we don't use the same words. Like, would, would there be any other cause to use an acrostic in delivering the Word of God or teaching? Let's see. Oh, yeah. Marnie last week. Yeah. <laughs> Marnie talked about, about her life verse, you know, those who, look, who looked at him are radiant, and so she used radiate. That was her acrostic last week. So each letter had a point, okay? That's kind of what Psalm 119 is like. I know this might be a little bit boring, but there's two of you that are kind of interested in this, so I'm just <laughs> preaching to you guys today. Just so that you know just a little bit of history about Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible. We should know something about it, shouldn't we? Okay, that's what it looks like in Hebrew. So showing the first letter, Aleph, say Aleph. Yeah. Now you know the first, the, the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's Aleph. All right? The beginning of each verse. Well, wait a minute. Hebrew goes from right to left. Uh-huh. Just, <laughs> how come he circle the ends of all the verses? That's the, that's the beginning. So this is, you can see that's, that's Aleph there. So each verse starts with Aleph. So you'll have eight of those, and then they'll go to Beth. I think is the second, second letter. But what would that look like in English? Someone, someone like, someone made it so that you can see. Now the text is a little small because I wanted to see all the letters on there, so you won't be able to read these probably. But it's a. This is what if you were reading in Hebrew. This this is similar to what the feel would be. So these are the verses that we just read, those first eight. All those whose ways are blameless are blessed, who walk in the law of the Lord. Approved are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with those whole heart. Anyone who does wrong, but does no wrong, but walks in his ways, and you command your precepts, right? So... That's what the A was. There's the B, right? So you go through the next eight verses, and it would be the letter B. That would start each one of the verses. And then the letter C. And I, that's all I've got. There's no more. But, you know, that was a lot of work just to get those three. But I'm like, you guys should see this because it's kind of cool knowing how the, the Israelites would have read that psalm. It would have looked like this to them. Each verse would have started with that letter, and it helped them memorize it. Can you imagine? It's hard for us as Americans to read Psalm 119 much less memorize it, right? And that's what they were doing. But they each one, so you could memorize a section. Well, let's see, well, next verse. Well, I know it starts with a C, right? And so it would kind of trigger that. And so 176 verses about the word of God, okay? Let's just wade in a little bit more. This, this isn't hard, but when it talks about the word of God, in the word of God, in Psalm 119, it uses primarily eight different words, and these, uh, you don't need to really know all these, but just just really realize that when they're talking about all these, whenever you find, when you ever stumble across any of these in Psalm 119, it's really talking about the word of God. That's what it means. So it says, you know, those who obey your law or it, it, that, that doesn't just mean like the Ten Commandments. It means the whole of the word of God, your instructions. It could be translated instructions your testimony i love that i love that word they use the word testimony for the word of god because it's it's the testimony of god it's what god is saying your precepts like like the the edicts kind of the the way life works your statutes or your decrees your commandments or some some would say commands your judgments and this this means like not like judgments like you're guilty like you will find that if you do this you're guilty but what it's saying is like these rules for living, the way, the way things are. I'm trying to remember that verse. I can't, I lost it right now. I shouldn't do that when I'm preaching. Yep. But anyways, how, 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 there was a song we used to sing, how your how wonderful are your your judgments and your ways. I always thought that was weird when we would sing that. How wonderful are your judgments and your ways? Like, like I didn't understand that, that there's different versions. Like, I don't, don't, don't judge me. <laughs> you know, like, the judgment of God often looks like fire and death, <laughs> right? So, like, how wonderful. I, and so what you're saying is how wonderful are your, your judgments, your, your thoughts on how life works, what is good, what is bad. This is what you should do. This is what you should not do because those are life-giving. Your assessments of the situation, your rule for living, okay? Uh, another one that they call it is obviously the, the word of God or the word. And the last one is, Then these aren't all of them, but they're the main eight, is your promises. Okay, a couple slides left. Getting through Psalm 119 here. Warren Wiersbe on this, he says, uh, the way we treat the word of God is the way that we treat the God of the word. Ouch, I just don't like that. Imagine if you had a friend... I wouldn't say spouse, because we can imagine that really easily. But just say you had a friend, a child, someone close to you, uh, an employee, that every time you spoke, they disregarded it. But imagine if you had someone that just disregarded all of your words. What would that feel like? I, listen, I said, don't do that. What I said I was saving that for supper, I well, don't. No, but I wanted to eat it, <laughs> like over and over and over and over. Okay, I'll be there at four. And at three o'clock, they're calling, screaming, "Where are you?" I said I would be there. I don't know what would they, did I miss something? Like they just disregard everything that you say. They they won't listen to you. They won't take into account your wishes, your words, your sayings. That would be discouraging, wouldn't it? It would be hard to maintain a close relationship with that, wouldn't it be? It'd be hard to maintain trust with that, wouldn't it be? It'd be hard to uh, maintain a forward-moving relationship. And yet a lot of us as Christians, we love God, we love the concept of God, and it comes to his word, and we treat it casually if we treat it at all. Well, I know God loves me, and he's all for me, and he's my buddy, and he, you know, and there's, there's truth in a lot of those things, right? He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, right? There's, and he is for you. If God be for me, who can be against me? But at the same time, if we continually disregard everything that he says, we can't maintain an onward, forward, close relationship with him. We can't disregard what he says and have high regard for the sayer of it. Make sense? Let's finish up with a couple things here. Alistair Begg, one of my new favorite preachers, he's a Scotsman. He speaks with a Scottish accent. I can't do that. I really have tried. He says, the contemporary idea is this, that it's entirely legitimate for the Christian to substitute the law of God with the judgments of our own hearts. So that in a sense, now that we're in Christ, we can pretty well decide how this life operates and how it goes. Well, I love God, God loves me and we substitute the direction of the word of God with the judgments of all. Well, I'll know in my heart if something's wrong or right or whatever. No longer do we have anything to do with the law of God and with the instruction of God's word. He also says this distinguishing feature of vibrant Christianity he preaches all over the place as I move around the Western culture at least is without question a loving, understanding of, and commitment to God's word. So what he's saying is if you want to see Christianity thriving, the places that I've seen Christians living thriving lives, loving Jesus, vibrantly walking out the God life, what I find in those situations is that they have a loving understanding of God's word and a commitment to God's word. That when I see Christians that are doing well, that, Often, I see, almost every time, they've, they're embracing the word of God. He says, and that is because God's word introduces us to the person of God's son, who unfolds for us the reality of God himself and shows us the wonder of the gospel. It's God's word, folks. Now, especially us charismatics who are a little touchy-feely and we just like... Spirit moved me to do this, and right. I love all that stuff. I'm not. I mean, I can like that's me. So I can put that down if I want. Like we we just love to do, you know. Just uh, let's see what's the Lord saying today. Ooh, there it is, right? Move over here a little bit more. I'm for that. But without the centrality of God's word judging every one of my, right? The word of God has to be the interpreter of every one of those experiences. The word of God has to shape and guide the way I think, the way I see the world, and the the ought on my life. Well, you ought to do this because everyone's telling you, you ought to do this. So my ultimate ought has to come from the word of God, period, period. That's the ultimate plumb line, the ultimate ought. while well, you ought to do this and you ought to not do that. Right. There's a thousand of those voices. The one voice that matters is the voice of God. Right? And so every, every, and, and please don't, well, if you do get me wrong, that's all right. I'll preach on the Spirit some other time, and we'll talk about all the touchy-feely stuff and how I love it, and it's good. And we should hear the voice of the Lord. We should be—you know—those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God, right? Just being led and being moved and empowered by that Holy Spirit. But man, be as touchy-feely as you need to be, and you know, flow with the wind, right? But get back to the Word of God, morning, noon, and night, right? Get it to ground you, because we can't just—we can't just clip out the parts we don't like and just—well, I'm just say, gonna—I huh, kind of feel like this way today. Well, that's great. Uh, what's the word of God saying about it? So do me a favor. Grudgingly read through Psalm 119 this week. Happily read through Psalm 119 this week. And when your flesh rumbles and grumbles, you just say, hey, flesh, if you grumble again, I'm reading it twice. <laughs> Seriously, just do that. Your spirit has control over your flesh. Come on. If it grumbles again, all right, four times. What about three? We skipped that one. Well, let's pray. Father, I just bless these people today, God, as we are embarking on a, a little series here of understanding the word of God more. I just pray that you would plant your word in our hearts, God, and it would produce fruit. We just thank you, Lord, that we are centered on that in our lives. And I pray that we'd walk that out and we would, as Jesus said, obey your words. God, that that would just be the mark of fruitfulness in our lives, that we would have a spirit of obedience. And I just pray, as, as Linda prayed, just a spirit of revelation. Open our eyes to see, God. Open our ears to hear. Help us to understand your word. Uh, Help us all just to make a decision that we're reading this this week. We're going to let the word of God saturate our hearts even if we don't understand it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. And you're going to honor that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.